Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. One of our amazing sponsors this week is Zen Parenting Radio. Zen Parenting Radio podcast combines self-awareness and mindfulness with pop culture and humor to expand compassion for ourselves, each other, and the world. You're going to hear a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad, a podcast to help you feel outstanding. Join my friends, Kathy and Todd, at zenparentingradio.com. Yes, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Rick Clemens and Barry Moniak. Now, you can learn all about them and our entire cast at EverydayMindfulnessShow.com. Today's show, we're discussing mindfulness in the workplace. There's a lot of talk in the media and online about companies embracing mindfulness in the workplace. The question is, Is there a place for mindfulness in the workplace? And if so, how does it become part of the culture and not just a passing fad? And so Rick, we'll start with you. How do you, one, do you think there is a place for mindfulness in the workplace? And then how do we get to that place of it becoming part of the culture? Yes, 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 yes. I think there's a place for this in the workplace. This is one of my passion places. I think mindfulness is so needed right now because we have stepped into a space where I think people show up and they just show up to do the task at hand. And then some leaders are, you're here for this. You're here to do this task. That's it. And because we've gotten so used to this, suddenly we don't allow people to be who they want to be or come forward and say, this is what I'm capable of doing because we're not mindful that people are being shoved into, in my world, into closets that don't enable them to truly come out and even play in a mindful space. So I'm all over this one, Mike. I'm so glad we're doing this one today. So you feel that mindfulness in the workplace is going to allow each person to be more their true selves in that work environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And therefore the organization thrives because everyone's thriving on an individual level. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. You read my mind. (laughs) Barry. Well, I've been looking at this because I got really excited about this one because I do so much consulting work in organizations. I can imagine that mindfulness in the very beginning of a practice, you know, early on is something that maybe we can turn on and turn off more so. 
But at some point, so just pause. Start, uh, what, do, what do you mean by early on in the practice? Well, when you you're just introduced to it. Oh, being still, paying attention, meditation, you know, sensitivity training, anything that might cause us to become more mindful. I would imagine in the very early days of that kind of a practice, it's something that oh, let me pay attention to be more being more mindful. Oh, I I, I lost it again. But at some point along the journey, it starts to take on a life of its own. And I don't know that we can shut it off unless there's extenuating circumstances. So to expect someone to come into a workplace and no longer be themselves, no longer be who they are, now they're just who you need them to be, it's ridiculous. But how many centuries have we been operating under this this mindset of the division of church and state? You can't bring your personal problems to work with you, and for God's sake, don't bring your work problems home. Well, it's the same person. How can we not bring all of that with us? And why would we not want to share where we spend most of our adult life facing our most difficult challenges in the workplace. We can't come home and talk about that. And the people who we give our life to so that they can make a profit off of our time and energy don't really care who we are or what's going on in our life. It's just, it's absurd. Mm -hmm. I agree. And so how does mindfulness transform that? Well, I think starting, you know, where I would start is with the leaders, the key people Are they being mindful of who they are and how they're influencing the environment? Do they have an awareness? I don't know how many times someone who's brought me in says, oh, you know, so-and-so is the problem over there, or this group of people, they're the problem over here. And so I go talk to those people and find out, well, they were given mis-instructions or duplicate instructions going in in divergent (laughs) directions. And so I'll go back to that key person and go, okay, what can you tell me about Mike? What can you tell me about Rick? Who are these people? And the only thing they can tell me is what their job description is, what their expectations of them are, but they have no idea what's going on. And so my question is, wouldn't you want to be a fly on the wall when they're home talking to their significant other or hanging out, you know, at the restaurant or the bar having cocktails with their friends, what they say about you and your organization? Wouldn't you want to know that? It all comes down to engagement, too. The thing is, is if we're not engaged in each other, and I'm not saying let's cross the boundaries, let's cross lines here. I'm not talking about weird stuff. But if we are not engaged with each other as human beings, and I know people are, they get engaged at work, you know, with certain people. But when you're really not engaged and you can't even articulate what's important to someone, when and, and I know this is, I know I'm pushing the boundaries here and really going out to some places that people aren't even stepping into. But when was the last time that in a work environment, someone was asked, so tell me what's important to you? What's your values? Exactly. Exactly. Because man, if we knew that, you know, then we can so much better start to work together. We can build better teams. You know, one of the things that I learned through, you know, I've talked on on these podcasts in the past about my experience, you know, with Tony Robbins. And one of the things that I love that he does is the six human needs. And those human needs are certainty and variety, uh, significance and love and connection and growth and contribution. So these are the six human needs. All of us have two that are primary. I like to say we have three that are primary. So mine are significance, 
variety, and contribution. So now that I've shared that with you, I've given you guys a piece of who Rick is. I've made you mindful of who I am. If you know that me feeling significant, me wanting to contribute, and me needing variety, how much different will you be able to now interact with me, to work with me, to put me in the right positions that help me be a contributor to this work environment and to make more productivity, more revenue, and all this stuff happen? But what what tends to happen, Rick? It's like, okay, Rick, I'm giving you a raise. Mm -hmm. Those weren't one of your three. (laughs) No, they weren't. So I think I've done you a solid and you're going like, he doesn't even see me, hear me, or feel me. Exactly. And here's what's so interesting is I was working with a a speaking mentor of mine as as I'm redoing some direction in my speaking and coaching and my entire business. And what we've landed on is one of the things that I'm very mindful about is that I truly step in to help people just simplify the most complex decisions in their life so they can make big, bold moves. Now, with that being kind of my basis, okay, it's, you know, my, my mantra is it's simple, be bold, live your life uncloseted. With that being my brand, I went through this really weird mind screwing last week where I'm like, I don't have a corporate play with this. And as we were talking through it, my mentor said, hold on, Rick, talk to me about your last corporate job. And I said, I loved what I did, but I never felt like I was seen for what I really could do. I was put into a box. This is what I do. This is the guy I am. But when it came to strategy and other stuff, because I wasn't playing on the certain team or I didn't have the certain, you know, connections, I never got to bring those things out. And that's what happened in my last two jobs. So what I actually just said was, hello, I'm over here in the corner. I really have something big and bold I want to do. But you're putting me over here in a closet where I can't make a big, bold move because it's making me feel too complicated. The decision to come out and say, this is what I really want to do is too hard. But as soon as I help someone simplify this to make that bold move, they can actually make it happen. And then in that moment, as I'm saying all this, I'm like, wait a second, I actually do have a corporate play in what I'm talking about. I have a way to get to this mindful place to show people that what we're doing is we're putting people in these really weird spaces that maybe if we were mindful of, wait, I shouldn't be putting them over there. Maybe they're better over here. Right. But if we don't know what drives them, if we don't really know what drives each other, then we're going to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. So how do you respond to the person who says, well, I'm not the CEO. I'm not the one, you know, the, I don't have that kind of pull. Maybe they lead some people, but they don't lead at the larger levels. What's your response? Well, even if someone isn't in a management leadership role, because I've heard that comment from a lot of those rank and file people, well, I, I can't do anything. I can't make any changes around here. So what do you expect me to do? Well, I don't have any expectations for one, but you're the one who's telling me you want to aim higher. You want to get to a better place in your professional career. You are being paid to have the opportunity to watch an organization from the inside out. Are you paying attention as much as you could to every little nuance that goes on around here so that when you do have the opportunity to advance, you've got some expertise. And so what if they say, but what about now? Like, what am I doing today to bring mindfulness into my job? 
Well, just the paying attention. As soon as something is set into motion, we seem to feel better because now we're taking an action. And even if that action is nothing more than paying attention to everything around us, how does everybody do what they do? And if I did have the magic wand, what would I do different and why? And can I document any of that? Can I just take some notes? Wow, if I was managing those people over there, this is how I might approach it. Oh, when this situation happened over there, I liked the way they handled it. I would do that again. You're giving yourself a, a, an in-house MBA mm-hmm. of how organizations function. And I also think part of the problem is this. We think too black and white. It's either this or this. And a lot of times when we talk, you know, use the metaphor of black and white, then everybody goes, well, then what's in the gray? Well, I prefer not to look at the gray. What I prefer to look at is it's either black or white. So black is the absence of color. White is the, you know, presence of light in to bring the color out. So to me, in between all that is the plethora of colors of possibilities. When we stick in black and white thinking in these arenas, that's either we do this or this. We can't go there because we're not the CEO. We can't do this because we don't have the management expertise. But what's in between all that? What can we do together? If if you're talking to someone who isn't the CEO, but maybe they have the ear of somebody else over there that has the ear to the CEO, or maybe they're the one that always is seen for being innovative, and maybe you're the one who has some ideas that they can feed up through other chains. Or maybe it's a matter of, well, here's what we'd like to do. Let's try to find a way as an employee team to start creating some stuff that starts to get attention in a different way. Mm-hmm. But when we stick in those black and white lanes, this is the only way we can do it. That doesn't get us anywhere. And I can guarantee you that the Netflix of the world, all of these people that are known, the Zappos and all this, they didn't stick in black and white thinking. They kept looking out beyond. Yep. Yep. And that to me is where mindfulness comes in. What do we have to keep looking at? How can we open our mind? How can we start to look at things differently? What are we missing here? The greatest question I love to put in front of a group is, what are we not seeing? Mm-hmm. I love it. That's that's fantastic. So what do you think are the biggest stereotypes people have when they think of mindfulness in the workplace that doesn't allow them to get to this these places we're talking about this this thinking this way of thinking i think it's that they go to that woo-woo place where they think oh you're going to bring in this you know religious love and light kind of metaphysical stuff and that's really not at all what we're talking about we're talking about paying more attention to a bigger picture, allowing our intuition to come out in place so that we can be more creative in our problem solving, in our critical thinking. So it has so much business application, but I think people's lack of awareness of what it really means is, is what freaks them out. I'm just gonna pause this for one second because I wanna let everyone listening know about one of our amazing sponsors. This week's episode is sponsored by the book, Can I Kiss You? and the Instructor's Guide of Can I Kiss You? For many listeners know, this is the book that I wrote last year came out. We were thrilled because it went number one on Amazon for teen and young adult dating. And it is filled, just packed with how-to skill sets for anyone to read of any age. We used to have a certain age group and people said, will you stop doing that? I have a middle schooler that I want to read this book or I'm 45 single, I need to read this book. And we've had people who are married going, it's helped change my relationship 
relationship. And that's why we're, we're excited. This is this week's sponsor, the Can I Kiss You book. And if you're a teacher, the instructor's guide. You can find both at datesafeproject.org. That's datesafeproject.org. Or you can call Rita in our offices at 800-329-9390. That's this week's sponsor. What about the person who works for themselves? How do they bring mindfulness into the workplace? Oh, I think the awareness. I mean, <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that question, Mike, because I've been sitting here since, you know, God knows when in the last week, just constantly going, okay, I've got a lot of shifts going on, lots of moving parts right now. And on top of that, my daughter is at home living with me for the summer, which is the first time in many, many years because we come from a divorced family that I've had kids full time. So, all this stuff is happening. My husband's making some career change. And I realized I need to be really mindful about myself right now. I'm trying to grow a business. I'm trying to be a father. I'm trying to be a husband. But what I need to do is put some mindfulness in. When I walk in this office, when I come in my home office, what is the first thing I need to do? And one of the things I do is just I give thanks for this office. I give thanks for this life that I've been given that I can literally walk 15 feet and be doing what I love to do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I pay attention to what is causing me to become distracted. And I even ask myself, if I'm getting distracted, what's really behind the distraction? If I'm feeling frustrated about you know, something that's going down, what is really at the core of the frustration? I don't take, I mean, again, I'm practicing this stuff. I think we all continue to practice this stuff. But the more I don't take anything at the surface level, I don't take the surface answer for the answer. I continue to go dig deeper. That's how I help myself as a solopreneur, spending 90% of my day with myself, except when I'm out traveling on the road. I'm just super mindful about this is my beautiful domain that I've created and to never take that for granted. Well, and I think you are allowed to be able to ask yourself questions like, am I being compassionate for myself? If my employee was doing this much work, would I tell them to take a break? Yes, I would. I'd tell them to take the day off after that. <laughs> you know, So am I doing that for myself? To be able to have those deep introspective questions or conversations. My teammate yesterday, we, we recorded four episodes and she said, now go shut down. You, like just walk away. And I had actually responded. That was the plan. But years ago, that would not have been the plan. It was, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? But when each day you start with intention, and I think that's another element of the mindfulness, intention in the workplace is beautiful, right? So what are my intentions for today to take 10 minutes and think about that? We're, we have Scott Halford on an episode discussing 50-10, which is brilliant. So I don't want to go too much into that, which is for 50 minutes of work, do you have 10 minutes of intention, just quiet time. But, but it really brings the day together and keeps you in the right mindset and the right emotional place. It's so powerful. Yeah. Um, Michael Gerber talked about some really interesting things along these lines in the E-Myth Revisited, mm -hmm. where he said, you know, in a normal corporation, you, you've got a number of people handling, you know, the different departments. When you're a solopreneur, all of those departments still need to be handled but in our brain awareness, it kind of gets all mushed into some gray, muddy soup. And, and so his recommendation was what you were saying, Mike, you know, okay, you need to put on the accountant hat 
for a minute and go, where am I at? Does that need any attention? Okay, my legal hat, my insurance hat, my productivity hat, my this hat, because you are in charge of all those things. And if you can break them out to see, okay, how am I really functioning all over the board? It starts to make a little bit more sense. And the mindfulness of, should I be functioning in all those roles all over the board? Is it possible that my not wanting to spend money because I'm afraid I don't have enough is harming me from actually bringing in more revenue. Uh, And so am I mindful of that? So, you know, I'm going to jump in here, Mike, because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I reached out to you on Facebook and asked you about attending National Speakers Association again this year. And you came back with a really beautiful response that said, if we're going to be professionals in this industry, we kind of got to go play in the game. And that was one of the most beautiful, mindful things that I've heard in the last couple of weeks because I've been doing a lot of, okay, I've got this money here, this money here, I got these things, you know, weighing all this out. And and that day I was in that mindset of there's not enough. But when you responded the way you did, it caused me to go, wait a second, Rick, you're missing what you would tell one of your clients. What's the other mindful way to look at this? Mm-hmm. That's showing up and being there has more probability of creating something that will bring you money than you not going and staying home and trying to go figure out how to make money another way. So I think sometimes this is the mindfulness piece is also being mindful that other people are going to give you the advice, the guidance, the, their story, their perspective, their map of the world so that you can see into it and see another way of being mindful in your own life, in your own way. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And years ago, I didn't always say it beautifully, and I don't know how I said it, that it was beautiful to you. So I appreciate hearing that. I used to be a little blunt, maybe, but I would have friends say that, you know, should I go to convention? I go, oh, I I thought you wanted to be a professional. And, you know, which isn't necessarily beautiful, but they'd be like, okay, got it, heard you. Because they would be the ones telling me, I want to build my business really super fast. And you weren't doing that. But they were, you know, I want to build my business. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to convention. Well, then why are you telling me you're serious? Like just, I'd rather have you say I'm a hobbyist. And so that's why I'm not going to convention. This isn't something I am really putting everything into. Because if you're saying, do you have the money for registration? Yes. But I don't have the money for the meals. All right, then make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and take them with you. I mean, come on, we can come up with a solution to this. How bad do you want it? And, and mindfulness plays that role, right? How bad do I want this? And sometimes I need to be mindful that I don't want it. And I need to be honest with myself and say, I'm in a game I don't want to be in. I need to, maybe this is, maybe it's the wrong place for me. Right. But that's a very beautiful, mindful space too to get to is I don't want this. I think too often we don't embrace that. If you don't want this, don't do it. There's nothing wrong with saying I don't want this. It's very simple. Oh, I agree. And that's what I love about is is when people get to that point of going, oh, yeah, maybe I don't want to be a full-time speaker. Okay. That's a great realization because mm-hmm. if you're going to spend the next five years dabbling in, and investing a lot of money and time in something you really don't want, I'd rather have you where you want to be. That you wouldn't even pause if I said go to the convention of because you have that drive and passion to be there. That's where you belong then. So there, there was something that I was really looking forward to sharing because- I just think it's incredibly significant in terms of this topic, mindfulness in the workplace. 
30 some years ago, I think I had my little psycho spiritual counseling practice. And what I started noticing is that when I would spend an hour, two, three with someone, I, I would see the shift happen. It, it was experiential. It was right there. They would come back a week or two later, and it was like we were starting all over again and over again and over again. And so I found myself sitting there shaking my finger an awful lot metaphorically going, I, I don't like this. This is not what I signed up for. But what exactly am I up against here? Because what I was saying to myself was, if I'm not attached at the hip to these people for an extended period of time, how are we supposed to create lasting change? Mm -hmm. Right about then, the girl I was living with invited me to a, a Saturday workshop at the company that, that she worked for, this real high-end marketing company in Pasadena, California. And the guy was going on and on about all these things. And I thought he was just a terrible presenter. But worst of all, he didn't know how willing to play the people in the audience were. These people, the, the owner had a Peruvian shaman on retainer. And every two, three, four months, they would go on these ayahuasca journey experiences and this and that. So if this guy had something, they were ready to play. And he had no idea. And my light bulb went on. If I could get one simple idea over in a workplace where people are going to spend 40, 60 or more hours a week reinforcing it with themselves and each other, wow, we could get some great work done. And my whole focus shifted from personal work to doing organizational work because that's where all the people hang out. Well, and it makes sense because now you, they can support each other versus once they left your office, they were by themselves. And and everything in their environment starts taking them right back to where they were. Right. Whereas if you can get into a workplace and say, hey, everybody, what if just for a week we all try turning right here instead of left and let's just see what happens. But everybody needs to jump into this experiment so that we can find out does it make sense or not. Well, a week later when everybody goes, wow, that was really interesting. What else do you have? Great. Now we got some traction. Here's a perfect example. I'm working with a client right now whose husband is in a less than, less than favorable work environment. And when his husband took the position... The woman that was leaving told him, point blank, I'm leaving because of my coworker. Now, my husband, or the husband, is, is really open-minded. But he thought, okay, really you're going to leave because of a coworker. So now the husband is working with me. So this is how I know all this inside stuff. Because now he's really in a space where this continues to be the issue. He has been there about a, mm, six months now, and this coworker is controlling, kind of runs the ship, is not the boss, but yet the boss allows this to continue. Mm -hmm. So as my client has continued to open up to things, what we have found out is the last four people in his position have left because of this person. But the management is not mindful to what is happening. Yep. They just know that people are leaving. And even in the exit interviews, when they say, and he has since made friends with two of the people who left, 
they said, and of course you have to take the he said, she said, all that stuff into account here, that all of those two people said at their exit interviews, they did say why they were leaving, that it was about the coworker, that it was about management not doing anything about it. But I think this is a perfect example of there is no mindfulness occurring right here. It's very task oriented. Let's get the job done. Let's do what people are meant to do. And as long as the work's getting done, then we'll continue to burn through people as long as the work is getting done. There is no mindfulness happening here. One of the sad after effects of this division of church and state is that you look at how most people, not everybody's a great parent, but most parents care whether their kids have enough to eat, if they're sick or injured, are they taken care of, are they going to school? There's some modicum of, of attention. But now we go into the workplace where we have these people for way more hours than the parents have them at home, and we don't want to waste two seconds growing them, helping them, nurturing them, supporting them. And I'm like, oh, come on, people. So you go into the really healthy, happening companies that are rocking it, that the Amazons, the Googles, the Zappos, and you look at the culture where they do get to know one another and they do care and they do support one another. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you guys, there, there's the evidence right there. Mm-hmm. So as we, as we wrap up this episode, what is, what would you say are a couple key steps for everyone listening that they can take into the workplace to help them be more mindful? Well, the thing that crossed my mind, right as you said that Mike was whatever is happening in your personal life, is a direct reflection of what's happening in your work life and what's happening in your work life is a direct reflection of your personal life. And if you can get that and you can bring the mindfulness to both of those simultaneously, then you can start to have impact and you can begin to, in your own way, change culture. You know, there's so much discussion about culture change and everything in my book. When I'm working with this stuff, I say the culture change starts with you. You got to change your culture first before you can change the culture of the people around you, whether that's your family culture, whether that's your relationship culture, whether it's your work culture, the culture shift starts with you as an individual. So really it's, it's not about mindfulness in the workplace. It's about you being mindful period. And that will show up in the workplace and taking yeah. that into. Yeah. 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 My thought was whenever you find yourself, spending a concentrated amount of time over an extended period. So whether it's in the office, whether it's incarceration, you're stranded on a, on a desert island, but it's like, I'm going to be here for a while. What a great opportunity to start asking the question. I think Rick had mentioned it earlier, you know, how much am I paying attention to? And is there something going on here that I'm not seeing or hearing or, or feeling and developing that kind of, of a mindset, well, you get to take that with you because once you've developed mindfulness in one area, it's really hard not to start applying it in other areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. It kind of goes with you wherever you go. Well, I want to thank both of you for a great conversation today. For everyone listening, you've been listening to Rick Clemens, Barry Moniak, both brilliant experts who deal with this exact topic in their workplace, in their own workplace. You can learn all about them at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Go to this episode, see the show notes with links to them, highlights from the show. You'll get everything. Until next time, may you all enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. Three quick reminders. 
One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.